My name is Kyle Willis, and this is Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. Welcome back to Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. We are wrapping up our series on sales today, and it is a little remiss to not say I've saved the best for last. I'm super excited for where we're going in today's podcast. Have a special guest on the show, Cassie Fields, who's the VP of Sales and Business Development at Field Edge. She's done some marvelous things that I don't want to, uh, to steal any thunder yet, other than talk about some mammoth growth that she's brought to her company through some of her techniques and, and the method she's brought into the sales team. I mean, we're talking growth from $7 million to $35 million in a very short time. And Cassie's here with us today to talk about pillars for scaling your business with what I love that we're not going to lose our mind doing it. So Cassie, <laughs> it is an yeah. honor to have you on the show here today. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Very excited for the discussion. Thank you. Thank you. So Cassie, I'd love to kind of just start off by learning a little bit about you before you got into Field Edge. You know, as, as I learned a little of our conversation initially, uh, that you came into Field Edge as as it was already existing. You weren't there from day one. You brought some great growth there. We'll talk about who Field Edge is and what they do in a moment. But give me a little just background of what, where did you get started? Where where did the passion for sales business uh, begin that we could then talk about how it led to Field Edge? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think it's kind of always been in my DNA as cliche as, uh, cliche as that probably sounds. Sure. But um, in terms of like starting a career, you know, I started an outside telecom sales, which, by the way, um, very, very um, impressed by people that continue to, to, to grind <laughs> in day in and day out and in, in, uh, in outside sales. But that was hitting 50 doors a day, you know, wow. going out and trying to convince people to buy T1s for their business to run their phone and Internet. Wow. And uh, yeah, so it was a different, different kind of sale. But, you know, got into inside sales um, shortly after that and was a part of a, a publicly traded UK-based business, um, NCC Group, which is a cybersecurity company. And so that was such a, that was kind of my, the, the launching pad for my career, you know, did a lot of, um, you know, individual uh, contributor roles there, just kind of um, promoting up the, the ladder, so to speak, in terms sure. of um, working in the SMB and all the way up to enterprise. So got an interesting taste of different types of uh, complex sales and, and transactional sales. Eventually helped those guys launch a global product. So um, taking that globally, and that was a pretty fantastic experience and just learning more about go-to-market strategy and the collaboration that you require cross-functionally to make those things happen. So um, once we did that, and that's, you know, now that's a multi-million dollar um, recurring revenue line for the business, you know, they asked me to take on uh, sales across the North, uh, North American market for the business. And so um, that really was a really interesting time, you know, working in a, a publicly traded corporation, you know, we were able to see in the first year and a half of me working there, 20% year over year bookings growth, which for a publicly traded company uh, was, was pretty solid at the time by comparison to, to previous years growth. Yeah. But um, I, I really wanted to get into something more exciting and, um, you know, really get a part, become a part of something where I could build a foundation and help the business grow. And that's when I found Field Edge. And boy, did I get what I asked for. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
then, so start off first, what, what, who is Field Edge? What is it you do? And then as my follow-up question to that, when you talk about you got what you asked for, where did you begin with them? What was kind of the day one to let's lead up to where we are today? Yeah, so when I came into the business, um, Field Edge has actually been around for 40 years this year. Oh, and awesome. uh, well, yeah, so what we do is we provide an end to end SaaS solution for the service contractor industry. So, you know, we do everything on, through our platform and in terms of lead management and lead capture for these businesses, all the way through to, you know, how they leverage mobile technology in the field and uh, ultimately take payment and integrate that back into their accounting platforms. So primarily focus in the HVAC plumbing and electrical markets. But, um, you know, as I said, being a, in business for 40 years, we've actually created four different products along the way. And mm -hmm. so when I joined, we had about 3,000 customers on our legacy on-premise uh, product, ESC. And they were really, they've been developing the, the, the cloud-based product um, for the market at the time for a couple of years, but we're really wanting to start to pour some gasoline on that fire. And so, you know, we had about four um, account executives and SDRs total at the time. And uh, we've now grown that today to about a team of a little over 50. And so uh, in about a two and a half year period, which has been really exciting uh, and also challenging in, in different ways. First off, that's amazing. Congratulations on that accomplishment. That's, that's uh, I don't, I, I hope our audience hears in, in that, uh, the magnitude even what you've created there and what you've been able to lead. And tell me a little bit in, in that growth of your SDRs, what, what's the time period? What, what, what did that look like? And uh, uh, was that quick process for you or what was the, the you know being able to lead that team i think my first question i think about is you know finding that right talent and being able to build that team that can sustain the growth that you guys are seeing yeah it's a great question you know i think um while we while we have grown quickly we've also grown methodically hmm. and so i think you know you see a lot of businesses that that look to uh fill seats very quickly to add heads which they expect to yield revenue and at the end of the day, that's, that's not always an effective tactic. At least it wasn't for us. Um, you know, we, we monitor very closely CAC by channel. And so, you know, as we were at the time when I joined, there were two SDRs. Uh, there really was no process or foundation for that department. And uh, Adam Sato, our director of sales development, joined with me and really worked to build a foundation and very um, carefully built that team and scaled it. So we were constantly monitoring CAC to make sure that we were, you know, and we can talk about CAC. Uh, that's probably a, an hour long podcast because <laughs> I know it's controversial, but um, you know, we, we monitored that as we continue to add heads just to make sure that our production per SDR remained solid and within the sort of guardrails that we wanted to maintain. So I'd say within the first year, you know, we, we scaled up to about 10 SDRs. Um, we're going to be at, 30 by the end of this year. So, and ended 2018 at about 18. So, um, you know, we've, we've, that team has done a fantastic job of continuing to maintain a strong culture and, and, and provide the resources needed to really be successful. Uh, Cause it's a tough role. Um, sure. For sure. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Excuse me. And you, uh, you highlighted something that I'd love to kind of just dig into a little deeper, the aspect of being able to grow methodically and uh, that mm -hmm. uh, being a foundation to sustain the growth and creating that culture. 
with with what you're able to share, what were what did you see of needing to change in the methods as as you and I have talked about? That's method and mindset being such a foundation, such a heart to the, our podcast here, believing that there's a right method, a right mindset to marketing and sales that works. And as you saw, there's there's a method that needed to change. So can you give any insights to what you saw? Some of the some of the issues that needed to change and what your process was to bring about that change to both the culture and the team. Yeah, so absolutely. So I think there, you know, there are a couple of, as you mentioned, key pillars that I focus on um, and that we, that we monitor very closely as we began to scale the org, not just the sales team, you know, not just the SDR team, but the account executive team and spinning up business development. Um, All of those things really center around a couple of key things. And the first being culture, again, hate to be cliche about it, but it is absolutely the number one most important thing that you can do, particularly for a sales org. And that's to maintain culture. And and I think people mistake culture sometimes for ping pong tables and beer kegs. That's (laughs) definitely, it's a component. We have it, you know, I get it. Um, but at the end of the day, when people come into Field Edge, and this has happened um, since day one, and you know, part of that, frankly, was we lucked out. We inherited a, a strong culture and sort of family-oriented and focused team that was incredibly collaborative from day one, and we were able to expand on that. But I think in, a part of doing that was doing a couple of key things. First was intense coaching and development of functional and professional development and professional skills for reps. So a lot of SDRs in particular, as you know, you know, they come in, you know, graduating from college. This may be their first job. This may be sure. at best their second. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's giving them the skill sets that they need, understanding their 401k, understanding their benefits. Like these are professional development skills that we focus on and invest in to make sure that they understand that they matter and we want to help them grow as individuals but also in those functional skills that are so critical and helping them understand the sales fundamentals. You know, what are the, what are the key elements of the conversation? Continuously coaching and providing that feedback because that young, they really need it in their careers. Um, and that's just investment in people, right? Uh, but the, the second piece of that is team learning and collaboration. So that has been so fundamental to maintaining um, such a great culture at Field Edge. Yeah. And it often gets lost as you're scaling a business. Um, so the way that we focus on that is, you know, we do a lot of team meetings and peer reviews. So we, I'll, I'll put in a plug here. We do use Gong for all of our call recording and, you know, um, AI and things like that for sales conversations. Love that tool. Could not operate without it. Hmm. Um and so we use, we use that to come in and, and to play specific parts of calls where we're, you know, using different tactics or techniques. And actually the team members will, will evaluate each other. And oh, so cool. something about, yeah, something about that team collaboration and like review and helping each other get better every day really helps people feel connected and feel like, you know, they're constantly learning something new from their peers that helps them to be that much better the next day, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess the last piece of culture that I'll mention and then I'll shut up. Um, <laughs> is just a hot button. <laughs> uh, the last piece is, is this idea of uh, creating a culture of, of radical candor. I don't know if you've read that book, but fantastic book as well on um, just understanding how to create a dynamic within your team 
where you and your team members can be radically, you know, uh, candid with each other and sharing in a positive and professional way, uh, really open feedback about processes and, and, and um, just generally feedback on the job. And so I think that we execute that really well. And as a result, people feel like they can be open and that they're heard. Hmm, I love that. And in, in that aspect of being able to have the radical candor, I have to imagine that didn't happen overnight in, in both the, the team being able to share that with each other, the feedback, being able to take that critique as they're going over sales calls together, much less than you, know, you being able to bring these initiatives to leadership and say, hey, I see some issues in our culture that need to change. What I think about, you know, our, our, uh, uh, people who are listening to our, our podcast here and saying, you know, love all that radical candor sounds awesome. Team collaboration sounds great, but I don't know where my boss would be if I brought that idea to him right now. <laughs> what was that yeah. process like for you and being able to cast that vision and, and first off, tell uh, your, your, your peers, tell your leadership team that there's an issue, that there's something that needs to change. <laughs> Uh, and, yeah. that, and that you have a solution they need to trust and, and allow you to try to implement. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. And I think, that, you know, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, it has to start at the top. So I, I think that you've got to have a management team that believes in, you know, receiving uh, candid feedback and taking that in a constructive way and being able to apply it. If you don't have that, it's very difficult to your point to go up to your boss and be radically candid about uh, a situation if they're not bought into that in reverse. And so a great way that that starts from the top is, you know, having open conversations and actually asking for feedback on what management can be doing better, but not just asking that, really meaning it. Hmm. Because I find often, you know, in, in one-on-ones or in quarterly reviews, if, you know, if you've got that built into your process, you know, people will ask, what can I be doing to better support you? But if we don't act on that, and if we don't ask for really open feedback and pr- ask probing questions, which allows an environment for people to be honest, yeah. then we'll never get to a point where, um, you know, that they're comfortable receiving that in return, if that makes sense. It does. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 sorry. I think the last thing that, that matters in that is you got to help your people win. So I know that seems like a small thing, but it's a lot different as a leader if you've gotten in and you've rolled up your sleeves and you've helped somebody win and then you come back with positive feedback or constructive feedback. It's a lot easier to hear that if one, you've taken the feedback they've given you as a manager and then two, you've helped them win, they're bought in, they trust you and now they're open and, uh, and, and willing to listen and follow you know, instruction or, or coaching. That makes sense. It absolutely does. And I, you know, I think about that because it takes me back to my time when I was at working for a large tech company here in Seattle, no, no names given. And it wasn't so much the bad, bad company as it was just, I was working on a team and there was no sense of collaboration, much less no sense of helping each other win. I mean, I kid you not, yeah. I was legitimately trained wrong on purpose by one of my peers who saw me as a threat. And when... Wow. Oh, I, I kid you not. Yeah. And that yeah. aspect of when, when it, you know, the shit hit the fan and I came back to my boss saying, Hey, this is how I was trained to do it. The other guy was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I showed you to do something different. And it was, he said, she said moment. And wow. I, I think of, you know, not only there was a toxic environment that I ended up quitting the company. And like I said, I ended up that client, that company became a client down the road. So it wasn't bad company. It just was bad team. But when I, you know, right. when I, 
think about uh, what you're talking about of helping each other win that that is monumental to me that it's a lot easier said than done but when that becomes a, a bedrock a foundation for a team culture the growth that opens up is I'm a firm believer that if I help you succeed I know I'll succeed with it you being the company you being my leadership as I know I can only grow to the level I help the company grow and I, right. I'd love to know just dig on that a little bit deeper in that aspect of, you know, as you're speaking from the management side, then to return back to your SDRs and, and, and your team as a whole, helping them win. Uh, can you give me any, any practical insights of what that meant? What that, you know, was it more of the feedback from the training that you're talking about as wins? Or is there other ways that you help them win to make them feel that sense of buy-in and ownership of the vision of where you're trying to take that team? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I when I first started, and, and, and context is always important, so I recognize that this may not be, you know, uh, as applicable when you're, you know, a VP of sales for an org that's, you know, 80 people across the team, but it is something that can be done by direct management. Um, and when I started at Field Edge, I was the director of sales, but had direct oversight and management of the account executive team um, specifically. So when I came in, you know, we had... I my job was coaching and hitting the number and building process and building strategy and uh, really focusing on how we, how we create that initial part of that customer journey. And so the way that I helped my reps win was one coming in and learning as much as possible to begin with um, before I came in and started making change and adding suggestion. But I also hopped on the phones with people. And so, you know, I wasn't afraid to get on the phone and help close deals. I actually got on the phone and closed my own deals so that they could see that I could do it. Yeah. And then when they bought in, they, okay, she's not crazy. She knows a little bit about what she's talking about. You know, I would collaborate with them, let them run point on a deal, but maybe just be present on the phone and add a point or two here. If we close that deal, that's winning together. And that's vulnerability for my side um, by letting them see that one, I'm willing to get on the phone with you and I'm willing to help be a team player. Let's figure this out together. And I so that. I think that made a, yeah, it made a, it made a big impact. And I think it's something that, every manager should do if they're in frontline management uh, when they bring on new people or when they step into a new role, because it just creates a completely different type of bond between that rep and that manager. When you guys have had those conversations together, it's not just you giving the feedback, you're talking the talk and you're walking the walk. So, I think that's huge. Cause yeah, you're, you're, you're you're leading by example. First off, you're showing that what's being asked of you is not too difficult because you're closing the deals right in front of them. And then secondly, right. you're giving them every opportunity to succeed and being able to guide them uh, along that process. And where there's room for improvement, you're able to speak it out in real time rather than being, you know, hey, you didn't hit your, your numbers, you didn't hit your metrics. And they're sitting there saying, we don't understand, but you're able to say, you don't even have to have that conversation because you're a part of it throughout the whole time. Yeah. And I, I think exactly. And I think another thing that it does for you too, is it helps you to understand how value, you know, how, how correct you are in your assumptions about the changes that should happen. So I found a couple of times that I would make recommendations about how to handle specific situations or questions that need to be asked at different places. And when you do it in practice and you, you see how customers truly respond, sometimes you realize you were wrong. Hmm. Um, and that, ha that happened a couple of times for me. I ended up adjusting process because I got on the phone with these guys and, you know, we both agreed it just wasn't something that worked in the moment. Um, so that's, that's incredibly valuable as well. 
Well, I think that's huge as well, because what you're speaking then there is as a leader, being able to have the both emotional and intellectual humility to recognize that you're not always right. And I think that takes, 100%. That's, that's a huge key as a leader to be able to say, yes, I may be the VP. Yes, I may be your boss, but I may not always be 100% right. And having that humility to be able to recognize and acknowledge when that needs to change. Yeah, it, exactly. It's it's absolutely critical in building trust with people. And I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, and when we start talking about scaling and things like that, and, you know, obviously that comes with a lot of change, which is pretty difficult for people. Yeah. Another thing that that does as a part of that process is, you know, you commit to people that, at least we do here, we're going to act quickly. We're going to make this decisions um, incredibly quickly, but we also will correct them even faster if we recognize that they're not working. Mm. And so the way that we do that is by, by looking at data, understanding what the data shows, what the trends are to back those decisions. And um, two, from feedback from the front line, like, are there things that are, that need to be improved in this process or the things that are not working? And if we can support that again with that data, then we know it's the wrong decision or the right one. And we can continue down that path. Oh, absolutely. So it's, it's constantly seeking that feedback and, um, trying to, to improve and be agile and what we need to do to attack the market or accomplish something. And, and, and attacking the market is exactly what you're able to accomplish in this time. You know, as we alluded to earlier from what you shared with me that you were able to take field edge from 7 million to over 35 million. And as we're speaking here, the, the pillars, what led to that growth, what, what allows you to scale your business in that way, starting off first with uh, culture and collaboration. Well, share with us next. What, what else helped lead to that type of mo- monumental growth in a short amount of time? Yeah, so I think that we just kind of touched on the next one, which is, um, you know, it's not sexy. People don't like to talk about it, but you've got to build out process and remain agile while you're doing it. And I think Good. that that's, that's actually really critical. Um, it's not building in process for the sake of process, but building in pro- uh, process with a purpose. And there's a lot that goes into that. That's really important um, as you grow. And so I think the first thing is, you know, I had a, I had a mentor talk to me about this because uh, I'm the kind of person that comes in guns blazing sure. and incredibly, incredibly impulsive and intense. And I would change the world in a day if anybody would let me. But <laughs> when you're, when you're managing salespeople and a sales team, you know, you've got to be slightly more methodical and controlled than that. And so what it described to me was, you know, if there are opportunities to make small incremental adjustments or changes rather than, you know, a complete process change, do that over time and stair step into the bigger change that you're looking for. So we don't always have to completely rework a process. Sometimes we can, we can make those small adjustments if possible. And I think that the, the second really important component of that is explaining the why behind the change. I've done this wrong so many times. I've come into, you know, into meetings and decided that we were going to completely adjust um, a key component of the sales process. Never talked about why. Mm. But on the other side of that, there was a, some business driver that required that we insert you know, uh, payments into the conversation. Nobody got while we were pushing it. And we need to better articulate that message of why that's so critical that it's, it's proposed there and in the way that it's proposed as an example. And so, um, you know, we've gotten much better and much more focused on, and it's still something that I focus on daily, 
you know, let me identify why we're doing these things and then articulate that as a part of the process change. And that's been really helpful in getting buy-in from people along the way. Oh, absolutely. I love that aspect because, I mean, it, uh, in essence, it, it connects back to what you're talking on, uh, culture and collaboration as well, that if yeah, I can get you behind the why, you're going to be all the more motivated and excited for that change, even if there is growing pains, because you know either A, we have to, there's just, uh, there's just in order for us to move forward, we can't work with what's from the old way, or B, this is going to improve your ability to do your job, make more money, have more satisfaction in in your role and that why rather than just, Hey, Jack, Jill, here's what you got to get done. But, and of course they're always saying, well, I, I like my process. I like my methods. I like my style. I have a way I want to do business and you're trying to mess it up in, in explaining yeah. that. Why I, I love that aspect. Cause then you're saying, man, be a part of the vision, be a part of the process, be a part of this journey rather than just go get the stuff done. Absolutely. And it's, it's getting people bought into a higher purpose and then helping, as you said, or alluded to helping them understand how it impacts them individually. Yeah. Right. And so I, I think that, um, you know, love the book, start with a why by Simon Sinek. I think it's great. Um, I know, I know a lot of people are big fans of that, but it really is a critical part of how we deliver messages, um, across functionally as well, not just to our own functions, but as a business articulating, you know, what's our purpose? Why are we focused on this? What's the end goal? And then orienting functions and people to their partner. It's, it's really critical. Uh, I, that's huge. I, I love that. And I like you alluded to Simon Sinek. That's been a book I've loved as well. Yeah, absolutely. He's got a couple of good ones. <laughs> so, <laughs> In that, uh, you know, you're talking about process. Are there anything else that you would add to that? Uh, you know, not that I'm, I'm looking for more, but make sure I capture the full picture of these pillars that have led to uh, significant growth and ability to scale. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, there are two more that I, I focus on. I just didn't want to layer them all at one time or I'd be talking for a straight <laughs> hour and it wouldn't be that interesting. <laughs> so hey, when, I, when, I'm get, when I'm getting real value, and I, like I say... <laughs> Uh, you know, for both our audience sake, but for mine, I look at this and I'm like, man, I want to apply these things to my business. My first thought is I'm going thinking about our team culture and am I, am I yeah. bringing the people, you know, building that culture, much less uh, collaborating in a way that makes them feel a part of the vision. And, you know, you spoke about process. That has been a major issue that we've, we've worked through in our company. Uh, we went and hired a, a, a professional coach on systems and processes to help implement in our business. So I'm eating this stuff up for my own sake. And I imagine <laughs> our listeners are saying, well, there's two more. Shit, I want to know them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I think the thing is that we've, we've done some things well, and we've also messed a lot up along the way. And so as a result of that, you know, there've been quite a few learnings. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the last two, one is a, a culture of, I, don't, I hate to use the word culture again because I don't mean it to be redundant, but um, it's really around accountability. And I know that sounds like a dirty word sometimes to people. They think about performance management and, and, uh, or even sometimes associate it with micromanagement, but hmm. it's, uh, it's an absolute requirement. Um, and, and we're seeing it even today. We've, we've kind of stair-stepped into, you know, um, as we've grown different different types of accountability and different um, ways of, of providing that accountability. And so when we first started, the, the key thing that we really knew was that we had to back everything with data. I alluded to that earlier. 
but yeah. we had to get Salesforce right. You know, we really needed somebody to come in and help us understand how do we report on the things that we care about? And then how do we measure people against them and let them know what's going on at all times? And so we can do this in ways that are, that are, that are actually uh, motivating and keep people, again, driving towards that individual purpose and their role in the bigger picture. And we do that by um, letting people know what we're measuring. What are the sort of like three to five key metrics of truth that we always want to monitor? And we actually display those um, in TV throughout our office. And different departments have different metrics, obviously, but we display them in front of those departments because those are the team and your individual targets that you're thinking about at all times. Yeah. And so it's absolutely incredibly important to help people understand, you know, this is ultimately going to help us to achieve those long-term goals um, and to help them understand how we're performing against it. So visibility into metrics is key. Um, and then I'd say that, you know, the other piece of accountability is helping people to understand through weekly, we do weekly one-on-ones. This is really time for the rep to talk about, you know, the things that they need from management. This isn't micromanagement of processes or numbers. This is how are things going? How can I help? What do you have on the radar this week? The second piece of that is a monthly one-on-one, which is more performance management. Let's talk about those KPIs and those metrics that we have displayed everywhere. You know, how are you performing against them? Where do you think the gaps are? How can I help? And then the quarterly one-on-ones are more of a time of reflection and planning. And so, you know, when I think the reason why I throw those meetings into accountability is because it's accountability of different things, not just numbers. And it's, it's really helping people to understand um, with regular frequency, each one of those components, what can management do better? What can you do better from a day-to-day perspective? What what do we need to be working on together to get to the metrics that we want to achieve? And then looking back, what did we do really well? What do we need to improve? What are our goals for next quarter and how are we getting there? And so um, that's really helpful in keeping people motivated and focused on sort of the day-to-day, if that makes sense. And that's been, that's been really helpful for us um, and helping to, you know, ultimately hit team and, and functional goals as well as business goals. Uh, Absolutely. And I think what I I get excited here in that uh, is it's, I was, you know, the, the initial thought, you know, maybe all oh, that man, it's a lot of meetings, weekly, monthly, quarterly, but each one has yep. a unique purpose and it's not a meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're all tired of having meetings to have meetings uh, or having yep. to show up and just, you know, basically um, brag to you what we've got done or sit there in shame if we didn't get our numbers done. But that each mm-hmm. one is, you know, you talk about the weeklies. I love that aspect that that's the opportunity for me, the SDR to share with my leadership, what's working and what's not it's you know i remember one of my one of my times uh in, in leading a, a marketing team and my boss she i met with her weekly and she called it red light green light i want to know what are the three things that are stopping you what are the three things that uh you feel that you're able to roll uh, run a full fledge on what you know what are my red lights what are my green lights and i had came to every meeting prepared to let her know what's working and what those red lights were we would then discuss what needed to change in that moment to turn that red light into a green light and where I felt love uh, that what my green yeah. lights were were then the, oh here's where I got real momentum here's where I'm seeing real growth here's where I got uh, a lot of excitement and that way she then knew for me what was propelling me forward uh, what was you know where would I get my joy my satisfaction in my job uh, and if they're you know and that's I love what you're sharing there is that that weak 
weekly time. That's not for the management to sit there and be like, shame on you, or you're hitting your numbers, you're not hitting your numbers. That can come in the monthlies, but the weeklies is all how do you turn those red lights to green lights. Yeah, I love the red light, green light um, um, sort of focus. I think that's great. I, at the end of the day, like these don't have to be long meetings. And I think one of the things that I realized, because I, I get it, one-on-ones are daunting. They're not <laughs> yeah. fun for management at all. And by the way, they're not fun for the rep either. So sure. nobody enjoys them. Um, but, you know, if you can keep them predictable and consistent, and I think that's the hardest part. I think people really struggle with remaining consistent and delivering them. But when yeah. you do that, you have exactly what you described. People put thought into it, and it's a meaningful discussion. And at the end of the day, if you're doing that consistently, like people is 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 ninety, you know, it's ninety five percent of the job from a, a, a frontline manager's perspective. We've got to be managing our people and helping to keep them motivated, and hearing feedback and listening to what, how we need to shift and 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 um and pivot. And so I think it's it's really critical, as painful as it is. But it doesn't need to be super formatted. They can be, as you described, quick, quick check-ins. And I think that really helps. And is that something, you know, like I was talking earlier from the practical standpoint, uh, is that something that in regards to the weekly, monthly, quarterly, who's organizing that? Is that the job? Is is it the job of the manager to schedule in those times or more weekly? Should it be the job of the SDR to say, Hey, I want to get on your calendar or is it just a let's welcome to field edge day one. We're going to be having these weekly one-on-ones. How about Tuesday at two (laughs) o'clock? You know, yeah. We're trying to implement this of someone who's not doing it yet. Who, who should take responsibility? Fair question. Um, I'd say the thing about let it, leaving it up to the rep to schedule that time, um, I love the idea of that because you get to see who's motivated and interested in receiving feedback and progressing. The problem with that is if you allow that, a lot of people in some scenarios are shy about asking for time. They're worried that you know they're taking time away from other people or they don't want to bug their manager yeah. And you'll, you'll see that people that really need help typically don't raise their hand. Hmm. Um, and the, and the people that you've got other people that will constantly raise their hand and, you know, the person that screams loudest gets the most attention. Sure. And so what I like about having, you know, what we do here is, you know, our, our team leads and managers, depending upon the function, will schedule those weekly one-on-ones. So they, cool. those are again, really casual. Like they may go out on a walk around the, uh, the business complex it doesn't have to be stuffy and in a conference room behind computer screens. It's let's go take a walk. Let's uh, check in for the week. It can be, you know, over a game of ping pong and a beer after 5 PM. They don't need to be structured, um, but they do need to happen. And then on the, from a monthly perspective, you know, this usually is led by again, those, those managers, um, but with support from the, the function head. So as an example, on our AE team, you know, our sales managers would be involved in, in, in structuring and running those monthly one-on-ones. And, you know, we, we do document those things as well. And we do it not because we're trying to, you know, um, to get too formal in terms of like HR process, but just because we want to be able to reference those things later. And that's really important in people's development as well to be able to look back and see, this is what we talked about last month. How are we tracking against that? Yeah. And so, um, that that's more of your, you know, um, and I look at those. So I come in and I look at how did we do in the month? Like what were the thoughts and, and messages across different teams? So um, awesome. that's kind of how those run. Yeah. 
Thank you. I, I love that because I, you know, I hear great ideas. I'm like, ah, where do I begin to implement them? Where, where do I start? And so I was like asking that second level of, all right, step one, <laughs> what do I do here? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, again, I know it's hard. The problem is like, as your team gets bigger, it becomes more and more of a time suck. I think um, you've got to block time for it uh, so that it is consistent. Otherwise it gets deprioritized and it falls sure. off the calendar because there's always, there are always fires that pop up and that's the yeah. hard part. Um, I, I think that's true. I think the last pillar to answer your question on the pillars is, is, uh, is energy. Hmm. So I know that sounds like a weird pillar, but we have to maintain energy at all times. And I, what I mean by that is I mean, passion one. So again, orienting people to the why and creating purpose through that common goal. Um, we've got to make it exciting too. And a, a big way that we do that here and, and because the, you know, the SDR gig is an, as an example, or even other functions in the business, customer success, onboarding, all of it, you know, they're a grind. And so we have to keep people motivated and uh, excited to come into work every day. And yeah. to do that, we celebrate success in a couple of different ways. Um, you know, we celebrate team wins, obviously. Those are, you know, we actually have what we call uh, taffy meetings. They're today at Field Edge meetings. And these are company-wide meetings where, different function heads get up on, you know, video now. Um, and they talk about, you know, highlights of, you know, what's happened across the function in, uh, you know, the past week or two weeks. And so we found that that open communication and sort of celebration of functional wins is really great so that everybody sees again, how we're tracking against those functional and organizational goals. But we also do things in small things in team meetings. You know, we, we, we make sure that we're calling out individual performances um, in every team meeting that we have so that yeah. people are seeing success and being, you know, recognized. Um, and another thing that we, that we're really big on is, um, we automate, you know, a lot of emails and things like that that go out when different things happen. Um, and as a result of that, we've, you know, we have sort of this, uh, celebration when different things happen. We'll get automated emails when sales close. We get automated emails when demos are scheduled. And, you know, the whole team will stand up and clap when sales happen and people will cheer when demos come across and um, that kind of environment and just kind of keeping people, you know, recognizing their contribution and recognizing their peers has been really helpful in keeping people energized and, and, and passionate about what they do every day and about the team that they're a part of. And at the end of the day, you got to have that as you scale. I know that's a, it's a really weird pillar, but it's so important. <laughs> I think that's huge. And I think I'm glad you bring that up because I think that aspect of being able to celebrate each other's success, it, it all ties into what you've, the other, the other four uh, pillars that we've talked about, you know, and creating that culture that, Hey, when we have that energy and the passion is there, we're bought into the why the culture is there to, there's, it's not dog eat dog. It's not, I'm out for myself. I'm not out just to see my own success, but I want to celebrate your wins too, because we're all in this together. And that's the collaboration of being able to work together. Uh, the collaboration comes once I have an understanding of passion. And I can go through all of these, but I think that aspect that I, I love and what you're sh say, sharing here is that all these pillars build upon each other. None stand by themselves. Yep. They all have to work together. You can't have accountability if there isn't culture or collaboration. You can't have uh, a follow through in a process if there isn't accountability. You can't have uh, culture if there's not energy. They all work together. And so it's clear that in this implementation, 
what's then propelled you being able to build that team from seven mil to 35 mil and beyond. But the, these have been super practical and insightful to know what, what, what led to that success. And like we talked about without losing your mind that this wasn't something that A was done overnight or B that required so much change in the company that people said, screw it, I'm out of here. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. And you, you brought up a fair point, Kyle. Maybe I should stop calling them pillars. <laughs> they they overlap a little bit and they do rely upon each other. So maybe that's the wrong way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's like Stonehenge where there are pillars that all connect to each other with some top. top there you go. <laughs> exactly. Maybe that's how I'll describe it next time. <laughs> and it stands for years. We never know who built it. It's just amazing. All right. And now it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Cassie, just to wrap it up, I think we've had some some huge uh, value here, some huge insights in regards to being able to scale a business. I, I know this is kind of a, a curveball question in in the way that you may not have a clear answer yet, and I'll understand that there isn't. But if there is a a way you could say, hey. If seven mil was a previous ceiling, you broke that to 35 mil, what, what are you working on towards next? What is, what that, you know, when we have you back on that podcast, on our podcast, we talk about either new pillars that you're working through or new changes that you're going through. Is there any, any new challenges that you're seeing in, in the company that, that you're feeling like, oh, I got some real motivation to work through this element right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if we weren't forward looking, we'd be, we'd be moving in reverse. Right. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that, um, right now two key areas that we're really focused on are one doing more, uh, to drive new, um, new revenue through new channels. So really working on building out our partner network awesome. and our business development function. And so we've seen some great success in that over the past year. Uh, but it's taken a, a year to lay the foundation. And so I think for us, the next phase of growth is really starting to have a firm grasp on how we go to market in different ways with different partners Yeah. and um, how we execute that effectively and efficiently. Uh, we've, we've, we've had some learnings there already, but we certainly have more to do. Uh, okay. And I think that the second thing is, is in customer success. So I think we've been so, um, new acquisition focused and, and just trying to, to gain as much market share as possible and to get the platform out there, get feedback on it and iterate that we've not focused a ton on expanding the wallet with the customer and, and not just expanding the wallet, but expanding value. Uh, I, I don't think that we are prepared yet and have learned what we need to learn just yet to really make sure that we're driving as much revenue as I think we could through that function. And that starts with better understanding, you know, how do we, how do we provide more value and help businesses meet their goals using the platform? And, and there's a lot to be learned there to be, sure. so it should be Absolutely. an exciting few years. I, I love that. Thank you. I'm excited to see what comes out of that. Cause I think that's very, very insightful to know how, how do we hit this? You know, it's one thing to have great momentum and growth, but if you, like you said, if you're not moving forward in, in future planning, you're moving backwards. So I'm always excited to hear what businesses are working on to, to sustain that growth and take them to that next level. Yeah, what, absolutely. What, yeah. 
One last kind of fun question. You, you highlighted uh, two books that have been pivotal in your journey as, as leading the sales team, uh, both A Radical Candor by Kim Scott, uh, Simon Sinek's Start With Why. We'll provide links for those in our show notes. Is there any other books? Is there is there one that you'd say, man, this has been a game changer for me as number one influence in my life, or I just read this book and it's been pivotal to me. Is there anything that you'd say I've really enjoyed what I'm getting out of this. Uh, I am a, uh, I read probably five books at a time. I, do, I love consuming as much as possible. Um, and uh, particularly business books and, and certainly some, some novels as well. But um, let me think about that. There's so many that have been uh, just absolutely groundbreaking for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think Challenger Sale was a was a big one. Uh, again, kind of cliche, but I really enjoyed the thought process of how to think about um, challenging a customer's existing thought process and what they know about the industry and business today, and how to modify a mindset that way. Um, you know, I think there have been gosh, there's so many. The Culture Code uh, was a fantastic book by Daniel Coy. Um, and I like that's been a great example of like what to think about when you're thinking about building a culture and uh, of winning, but building real rock stars that feel invested in and, and, and bought into your bigger vision. Um, there's a ton. There's a ton. I'd be happy to send over a list. <laughs> hey, sure. Yeah, we can, we can easily do that. But I think, you know, uh, I appreciate getting some insights now because uh, uh, while I've, uh, while I've, consume start with why multiple times uh i own radical candor but haven't started it yet and i'm going to look into challenger sale and the culture code as well so thank you thank you for that i always love just you know like, like you said my wife teases me we'll go on vacation and i'll pack you know ink magazine Forbes, cigar aficionado is like my one <laughs> one book yeah. And then I, that is yeah. like three business books. And she's like, we're on vacation. Where's, where, where's something to enjoy? <laughs> I enjoy reading this stuff. She's like, well, it's business. Yeah. I love business. So I'm going to yeah. that element I, of always one more. I do the same. <laughs> yeah. I, and unfortunately I still love a, uh, like a hardback book. So my bag is usually packed full of those hardback books instead of a Kindle, which makes uh <laughs> Life is difficult on a vacation, but you know, it is what it is. Hey, I'm a hundred percent with you. I outline under, you know, highlight bright notes in all my books and I can't, <laughs> I can't do that as well as on a Kindle. So I love having, you know, I, I kind of get that without having a, fo a photographic memory. I have that feeling when I read a book of all, oh, I know my notes are on that left column, third way into the book. I got to go find it. I can't do that on a Kindle. So I'm with you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about the trophy at the end of it too, right? Um, right. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on it. Yeah. Well, Cassie, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real honor having you on the show, sharing our pillars for being able to scale your business. Absolutely insightful and practical. Really appreciate your time here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, I want to thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. 
I know you have a lot of options on what podcasts you can listen to, so thank you sincerely for taking the time to join us for this one. If you have enjoyed this conversation, we'd love to keep it going in our Facebook group, Marketing from the Roosevelt Room with Kyle Willis. In that, we have live video, Q&A, and create more of a dialogue. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so please join us on Facebook. Otherwise, look forward to catching you on our next episode. Have a great day.